Good morning. I trust you're having a good Independence Day celebration, eating lots of hot dogs, beans, watching fireworks, dodging fireworks. I never wanted to be around my brother-in-law on July 4th. He got a firecracker in his hand and his brain turned off. You couldn't trust him. So anyways, I hope you're having a good holiday. Um, as I was preparing this sermon, I was looking for some jokes or cartoons about citizenship. And the only ones I could find were either extremely political or were about senior citizens. And we didn't want to make fun of senior citizens. So um, I did manage to find the family circus, and Dolly here couldn't remember the Lord's Prayer, so she said the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, contrary to public opinion, July 4th, Independence Day, is not a religious holiday. Sometimes as Americans, we get confused about what it means to be an American and what it means to be a Christian. And so I'm not denigrating American citizenship by any means this morning. But I do want to draw out what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Okay? Um, and as we look at the book of Philippians, um, the, there's a history that goes along with Philippi that you should really kind of know about. Um, it was named for Philip of Macedonia. You might not have heard of him, but you probably heard of his son, Alexander the Great. Um, it was also the site of a famous battle. Around 42 BC, Octavian, who became Augustus Caesar, and Mark Anthony defeated Brutus and Cassius, who assassinated Julius Caesar. And that was about 100 years before Paul wrote this letter. So kind of a patriotic area. Um, it became a Roman colony. That means it was actually a little piece of Rome out in Macedonia or Greece. Um, it was kind of like an embassy that we have today, except it was the whole area. And a lot of Roman soldiers, when they retired, were given land in the area. And so they, they were citizens, right? So the area had a lot of Roman citizens. And Roman citizenship was very important. Um, if you recall back when Paul visited Philippi, he was tossed in jail and beaten. And later he uh, told the city council, is it legal to beat a Roman citizen and throw him in jail without a trial? And they were flabbergasted. They didn't know he was a Roman citizen. And so they came and kowtowed to him and escorted him politely out of the city because they didn't want him um, charging them for doing that. They could get in real trouble. So Roman citizenship was a great thing. Um, and so 
let's take a look at Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I have a tendency to really like the books that I happen to be studying at the time. In Sunday school class, um, we're in the Peter, and First Peter's a marvelous book. Um, and as I study it in a group with that, it just brings so much more of it out, uh, more so than just reading it in like a daily Bible study. If you don't make it to Sunday school, you should try. A little advertisement. Um, but Philippians has been a favorite book of mine for a long time. I studied it when I was in graduate school. Um, and I just really fell in love with the book. A lot, some people sum it up by saying, I rejoice, you rejoice, that that's the message of the book. Others say it's really a missionary's report to a congregation. And I think it's so much, much more than that. Um, Philippians talks about unity, suffering as a servant, honoring those who work to promote the gospel. Talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus and, and what they did as servants. And they focus on what is right, what is honorable, what is just, what is noble. Some of the most beautiful passages of Christ are in the second chapter of Philippians. So it's, it's much more than just um, a byline of rejoicing so that you can rejoice. And as we look at the significance of Paul telling the Philippians that their citizenship is in heaven, we need to look at what he says. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. He didn't say it will be. Didn't say it has been. He says it is. It's a present tense thing. You think, well, I'm not in heaven right now. <laughs> but you're a citizen. If you travel the world and you're a citizen of the United States, that has certain connotations. And there's certain things you, you do. You have a passport with you, and, and you take it with you, and you can go into other countries. Some maybe not, but most of them you can. Um, and there's, there's certain criteria for being an a, uh, American citizen, but there should be a 
being a Christian should make a difference in how we live. In the ancient world, it was a popular idea that conduct is like a journey. You walk with me this way. And so Paul is saying to join with me and join with others who walk this way. And he gives us um, an idea that there's choices to be made and a deportment to be accepted. Faith-based living. Follow my example. And he modeled that behavior, and we're supposed to kind of follow what he was teaching. And strengthening your cohesion. One of the big topics in the book of Philippians is unity. Paul writes to each and every, and he talks about this letter is being written to all of you, together with your overseers and deacons. He's not excluding anybody. He's, he's drawing them all in. And so he's wanting to strengthen our cohesion. And Dolly is saying here that Daddy says we need to work as a team, so you got to do what I say. That's not really the cohesion that, that Paul's talking about. He's talking about following, not necessarily bossing. Now I have three older sisters. I know about bossing. <laughs> but it's practicing daily practical conduct, living as a Christian, living in the kingdom. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And if you contrast this with what the world is after in their daily appetites. We're supposed to discriminate from those in the past. Paul warned um, the Philippians in the past about people who said they were Christians, but they didn't live like it. And he says he's, he's even warned with tears um, that, that people were living like enemies of the cross. Don't do like they're doing, he said. And their evil has grown in extent and in depth. They've become more deprived. They've become more depraved. And of course, that doesn't speak to our culture today, does it? They are personal enemies of the cross. And Paul's saying this because they weren't outsiders. They weren't just of the world. They weren't pagans. They had called themselves Christians, but they had turned against the principles of Christianity, and they have walked away. But Christ, but they had claimed Christ, but they didn't live like it. And so we, we're not dual citizens here. We don't have a citizenship in the world and a citizenship in heaven. We're citizens of heaven. And so we need to act like that. And part of the way we act like that is by encouraging each other, watching out for each other, um, rejoicing with each other, meeting together, coming to Sunday school. But learning the word so that we can be strengthened. Their end 
is perdition and ruin. They have no hope. They had been given over to their sensual appetites. And that's what he was talking about. Their God is their stomach. And not only that, but they boast about it. Um, See how inclusive we are. How accepting we are of others. Well, we can accept others, but we don't want to accept their lifestyles. We don't want to get embroiled in, in that pattern of living. We have a Christian pattern of living. And it's difficult in our society today. And it's getting more difficult. And the more difficult it gets, the more we need each other to encourage each other. Our home, the seat of our citizenship is heaven, is an eternal city. This needs to inspire our behavior. What we do, what we say has eternal consequences. This needs to inspire our behavior. We are in training, okay? We're not perfect, we stumble, we fall, but we're in training. That's when we need encouragement. You don't kick a guy out of the army because he louses up once or twice. You teach him. And as Christians, we need to teach each other. We need to encourage each other. And we are waiting for a savior. We're waiting for his return. He's going to come again. We don't know when, but he's coming again. Our end is transfiguration, not annihilation. He's going to change our body. He's not going to destroy them. We're going to be changed in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. And we're going to be fully realized. Paul, in the Corinthians, the love chapter, talks about, right now we see in part, darkly, like through a, mirror or a a warped glass, but then we'll see clearly and we'll be known even as we are known. So we'll be made whole. We'll be wonderfully changed and fully realized. In Colossians chapter 1, I like Colossians too. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of books I like. The more you study them, the more you like them. You know, you just kind of grow on you. Thin pages. So Colossians talks about who Christ is. And Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you 
may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to your Father who has qualified you to share in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then the next, starting in verse 15, is a great uh, passage about who Christ is and, and what it, his very purpose and who he is um, as God. It is a great passage. Um, but he's brought us into the kingdom of light of the son he loves. Now, we're not necessarily natural born citizens, but um, we are citizens. And he's transferred us into the kingdom. We don't need a green card at the border. We don't need a passport at the border. Because we're in the kingdom now. We're already in the kingdom of, of his son. But we're in a journey walking around the kingdom. It's not pie in the sky. It's, it's who we are as a people. C.S. Lewis, probably the greatest apologist of the Christian faith of the 20th century, said something along the lines of, whatever our final destination, whether it be heaven or whether it be hell, in looking back, we'll have determined that we've always been there. If we end up in heaven, we'll look around and see that we had already always been in heaven. And if we end up in hell, we'll look around and see that we've always been in hell. Um, and I think that's true. I think that as we live the Christian life, there are so many things that we're blessed with. And our attitude and our, our positive outlook and our caring for each other. That's part of heaven. That's part of who we are. The journey does have a road map. It's, it's this book here. And we need to study this book so we don't get led astray. And there are people who would lead us astray, believe it or not. So we need to study and understand what goes on in this word so we may live and walk in a worthy manner. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. And I, I keep stressing that because I know my own shortcomings a lot. Um, I think a lot. Sometimes I think too much. And sometimes my wife gets worried because I think too much. Um, and it's not always a good thing. But the journey does have a road map. God will strengthen us to live holy lives. We're not orphans. We have an advocate that speaks for us. And we have an advocate who helps us. And here's, here's, here's something for you to chew on. God has already qualified us 
to share in his kingdom. God has already qualified us. It's a free gift. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it or earn it. It's free. And it was paid for on the cross. And God will strengthen us to live holy lives. God has made us fit to receive his portion. You know, when, when you have an inheritance and it's divided among the kids of the family, you receive a portion. God's qualified us to receive a portion. And he's promised us that. And God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We were part of that world. We were caught up in, in that world. But he's rescued us from that dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the son, the kingdom of his son. We were slaves. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to ourselves, to our own desires. But he's changed us. Redemption that he's given us, redemption is the release of payment for a ransom or for a slave or a debt. So he's released that payment already. We've been purchased. We're already bought. Hebrews, it's a great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. It's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and, and Sarah. So all these people were living by faith when they died. They hadn't received any of, of the gifts that, that uh, God had promised Abraham. God promised Abraham he'd be a great nation. He had one son of the promise. He promised him that, that um, his descendants would be as numerous as the sands on the seas or the stars in the sky. He had not received that. He had promised that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. And that promise wasn't fulfilled for hundreds of years. Maybe close to a thousand. But he had faith. He had faith in God that God was going to fulfill him. And the promise wasn't for a land on earth. But the promise was for a heavenly land, God's land. Palestine was not the land of promise. God still owned that land. And in Leviticus, it talks about the Jews were only renting that land for a short time. And so they weren't supposed to sell it for permanently because God owned it. But the land of the promise that we receive that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is the kingdom of God. The kingdom that we've not yet received fully but in which we are living. It wasn't the land of Chaldees where Abraham left 
and he could have returned to. But it was a land of promise. They died in faith believing that they would receive the promised new homeland. And it talks about how they lived in this world as aliens and strangers. And if we're citizens of heaven, we're aliens in this world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. And it needs to make a difference in how we live, how we support each other. They had no right of citizenship, living as aliens, no permanent possessions. They waited for a city of God's preparing. God declared himself to be their God because of their continued faith. We too have a promise that the Lord will bring everything under his control. And we will be transfigured, transformed, and become like him. Though we struggle now and fall short, we continue to press on. That's what Paul said in Philippians. Not that I have already obtained all this or that I have been made perfect, but I press on towards that goal for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. So we haven't obtained everything yet either. We keep pressing on. We press on to take hold of it. We press on to take hold of our citizenship. And while we have that citizenship, we need to press on though we stumble and fall and encourage each other. Citizenship comes with some responsibilities. And we're citizens of heaven. And let's act like it. Let's encourage each other. Let's, let's follow the Lord. If you see someone who is an example, follow that example. When I was young, attending Duplain, there was an old man who was an elder. And Lumen Hall was his name. And he would get up when we didn't have a minister, and he'd deliver the sermon. And he was dry. But to me, as even a preteen, he was fascinating. I don't know, something about his eyes or the spirit. I could have listened to him all day. But he was not a, a good public speaker. But he was very informative, and he knew the book. And he'd talk about what he knew. I don't know, I kind of figured when I was young that he'd been there when part of it was written. <laughs> but I always thought he was a man filled with the Spirit. And I thought, what a great man. And then years later, I was attending a church, and there was another old man that I looked up to. His name was Randall, Randall Starr. And he had the same kind of light. You could tell. He had the same spirit within him. And I longed to be even part of what they were as filled with the spirit. If you see someone that 
It reminds you of the Spirit of God. Watch closely. Model their behavior. Discriminate against what the world is doing and look to their behavior and join with others who are also following. That's our calling as Christians. And if you're here this morning and you haven't become a Christian, if you haven't been buried with him in the waters of baptism, if you haven't claimed Christ, this is a time to do it. This is a time to become part of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for being with us, for being our guide, for being who you are, that even though you are high and lifted up, that you care about us and you care about our daily lives. You care about our struggles. We pray, Lord, that you strengthen us, that you rise up leaders for us, that we can follow, that, that we can be more in tune with your kingdom. We pray, Father, for your blessings upon this church that we may reach others. We ask this in the name of Christ, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.